Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. you is that have you ever experienced a moment of anxiety have you would you raise your hand if you have you've experienced a moment of anxiety I'm looking around the room okay so hold your hands up let me see okay all right that's about all of us and those that those of you that didn't raise your hands please let me know how you live because I want to know but I think that if we all honest we would say that you know we've experienced that in our lives and I remember, I, I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to talk to you about. And, and I began to think about my life. And I started thinking, when was, the, when was the moment that, like, maybe my first moment of real anxiety that I remember? And it happened a long time ago. Matter of fact, I was about 15 years old and uh, had went on a church camping trip. And I, I met this cute girl, you know, like I, you know, like I just was hanging around her a little bit. And, uh, boy, I really liked her when we got home from that camping trip and I I wanted to call, so I found out what her dad's name was. And uh, matter of fact, the little small town that we lived in, the phone book was like that. By the way, they used to have phone books. Remember those? It was about that thick, so there wasn't that many names. And so I looked, and I, I looked her dad's name up. And, and then we didn't have cell phones. We couldn't text or anything like that. Didn't have social media. And so we had the old wall phone. Matter of fact, it was a rotary dial phone that we had. If you were in, back in the day, they had like a cord that would reach 30 feet around the room, you know. Some of you can Google that. And so I remembered, I remember wanting to call her. And that, uh, and so I, I, I you know, we only had to dial five digits. So I, I would begin to, you know, doing that rotary phone like that and holding And I got to the last number and I held it over here and I was like, oh, and I remember saying, do it. And I pulled my finger off and sure enough, you know. And I, uh, so it rang, and, and then uh, her, the girl's sister answered the phone. And she, I said, hello? She said, hello. And I said, is Rhonda there? And she said, it's that Jeff Dawes boy who wants to talk to Rhonda. I said, like, oh, no, my anxiety really went high at that moment. And then Rhonda got the phone, and she answered it, and she said, hey. And I said, Hey, hey, hey. And it's been that way all the way, way. So I'm just saying that anxiety, we all experience, experience anxiety in different ways. And it's real. Matter of fact, I would tell you this, that if you experience anxiety like I have and like I do at times, you're not alone. Matter of fact, I read this quote and I'll read it to you. It says this, according to the, to the National Medical Institute of Mental Health, Anxiety disorders are reaching epidemic proportion. In a given year, nearly 50 million Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack, phobia, or other anxiety disorders. Listen to this. Anxiety disorders in the United States are the number one mental health problem among women and are, are second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. So everyone, we all struggle with being anxious. And, and so we're beginning a series that we're going to do for the next couple of weeks. It's called Fear Less. 
In other words, we want to take down the fear. And that's what Easter is all about, is that Jesus defeated our greatest fears. And so it's about fearless. Now, what I want to share with you is there's a difference between fear and anxiety. You know, they're, they're, they're not brothers, but they're cousins. And, and so fear is this. Fear is like when you see a threat, you react to it. It's seeing a threat and reacting to it. That's what fear is. But anxiety is imagining a threat. So let me break it down to you. So you're walking across your front yard, and you see a rattlesnake, okay? There you go. Now you get in the picture, right? Like, oh, yeah, I see that. You see a rattlesnake, and so fear says run, and that's what you do. That's what, and that's what I would do, right? Run, okay? Do something, you know? But you know, what, you know what anxiety does? Anxiety says for the rest of your life, don't you ever, 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 ever walk across your front yard barefooted because there may be a snake out there see what anxiety just did to you it just paralyzed a great joy in your life it just put you in prison and so what I want to tell you is this is this is that anxiety is is, is un, it's going to happen I mean anxiety happens As a matter of fact I wrote a quote that I like to just share with you it says this the presence of anxiety is unavoidable but the prison of anxiety is optional and I hope today that through this, through this Easter Sunday that we start a journey in your life, as I've started in my life, that you can live fearless. You can fear less. And that today is a result of Easter, that it will mean more to you than just the traditional story, but it will have meaning that will stick with you. And so uh, I want to share with you uh, the title today I have is, is How to Win the Battle of Common Anxiety. How to win the battle of common anxiety? Because we all have it, so we need to know how to win this battle. And so I'd like to read this passage to you. Matter of fact, what I'd like for you to do is help me today. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to SEC, my name's Jeff, and I'm actually the lead pastor. And listen, I'm your friend. My name's Jeff, all right? And so what I'd like for you to do is help me. And as we read the verse, I w- I'd like you to read with me what's underlined, okay? So let's read. You ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You ready? Let's read. Do not be anxious about anything, about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the what? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard. Did you get that? That's where he stops anxiety right there. He will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know that there is over 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the week. And so what he's saying here is in order for us to address anxiety is that we have to learn to rejoice in the Lord. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you would say, I know for a fact that God did something personally for me, or I know someone else that he's done something for? Let me see your hands. Just everybody, come on, raise your hand if if that's you. All right, that's a majority of us. So what I want to say is this. So how do you rejoice? Well, rejoicing is this, is that you remember what God did for someone else or what God did for you, and you start talking about it all over again. And then if you're by yourself, you start talking to God about it, and you start rejoicing. And when you start remembering what God has done, it takes away the fear of what the devil is telling you is going to happen. Amen? And so, so we learn to rejoice in the Lord. You see, we forget about what we don't talk about. And so what we talk about more than anything else is what might happen, right, instead of what God has already done. And so I want to give you five words today that I want you to remember that when you're beginning, when anxiety is uh, creeping in, fear is creeping in, I want you to remember these five words, okay? So they're coming up on the screen. I'd like for you to read them with me. You ready? Let's read them. Here we go. 
He will do it again. Come on, let's say it again. You ready? He will do it again. That's what Easter is all about, right? Is that Jesus was born one time, then he died on the cross, and doggone, they thought he had him dead and covered up and sealed the tomb up. But guess what? He did it again. Can you imagine? They said, he's back. He's back. That's what Easter is all about. He will do it again. You know, uh, in the early 90s, I was a student pastor, which that means, what that means is I work with teenagers at a church in Tacoa, Georgia. And so um, every year we would do a camping trip with them. I want to tell you, camping with 40 teenagers is from the devil. It's flat out from the devil. It's not of God, so don't, don't ever try it, all right? It's just of the devil. And so part of my responsibility was to gather tents for all those people camping. And so I would go, I would ask everybody in the church, hey, you got a tent, you got a tent. It would take me a couple weeks to get those tents. Well, there were some people that say, hi, I have a tent, and I would go to their house and, and, and pick up their tent, and sure enough, it was in a nice packaged box, you know. You could tell that they had not used it that much, and it had those little fiber, uh, fiber uh, bars, you know, uh, fiberglass bars that you just snap them together, you run them through the holes, and like you throw it on the ground, and presto, the tent up. Hallelujah. That's a great day, right? But then I would go to some people's house. They got their, t- I, their tent come over on the Mayflower. I'm not kidding. It was like, are you, I mean, it was that old. And it would be one of those old, like, green army tents, you know. And, and it had those old cast iron poles. I mean, the thing weighed 300 pounds. And they'd have, say, here, I want you to have my tent. So we, we'd take that tent and we'd have to put those old, I mean, heavy cast iron poles up. When we, it, took, it would take us longer to put that up than the, the new tents, you know. And, and so, too, listen, I don't know if you know, but when something's been laying around for 50 years, and it's had uh, uh, mothballs all in it. You know how it smells, right? So nobody wanted to be a part of those tents. You know, like, no, no, we want the new tents. Well, we went to Bryson City, North Carolina. It's right out of the Smoky Mountains. It's called Deep Creek. And as we would go there, uh, you know, tubing, those thunderstorms in July would pop up. And oh, my goodness, remember I told you it's of the devil to take this many people. And because those thunderstorms would happen, and sometimes they'd happen through the night, and when they did... Those new tents that I loved that popped up like presto, all of a sudden are not so good. Because all of a sudden now that rain begins to come in and they begin to collapse the tents. And you know where everybody ended up? In the old mothball tent. Why? Because it had, why? Because even though it was old, it had those old cast iron poles and it could support the wind and the rain and it could sustain all of that. And what I'm trying to tell you is this today. Is that I know there's a lot of new ideas about how to live life. They've been coming up all around us for years and years, but there's only one way that will stabilize your life and that you've got to do something. You've got to do something inside of you to to put up some old cast iron poles that when the storms of life come, because they're going to come, and instead of you running around like Chicken Little trying to to keep the sky from falling on you, is that you've got to have something that you can hold on to, that you can build your life on, that will sustain you, and that is Jesus Christ, no other. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. He's forevermore. So I want to give you three things today that I do believe will help you as we talk about this. Number one, would you write this down? How to win the battle over common anxiety? Number one is check your belief system. Check your belief system. you got to get it in check. Notice what he says here. Let's read that verse in Philippians 4. It says this. There's four words there. Let's read them out loud. You ready? Come on. Rejoice in the Lord. Now notice what he said. Rejoice in the Lord. This verse is a call 
It's not a feeling. Most of us would rejoice in the Lord when we feel like it. Like, you know, when you go to your mailbox and all of a sudden there's that envelope that's handwritten and you open it up and someone has sent you $1,000. I mean, is anybody else excited besides me, right? I mean, like, you get it, you break it down like, hallelujah, God, you are good. Yes, you, you are. And I got a long driveway and I'll break it down all the way, right? That's exactly right. Don't, don't, does it embarrass you? No, no, no. You good, oh God, right? So we rejoice when the good stuff happens. But the problem is, is that we're called rejoice even when the bad stuff happens. Why? Because remember that good thing that you remember that God's done for you or he's done someone else that you know? Is that when you keep recalling that good that God has done, even when something bad's happened to you, it reminds you what? That he will do it again. Amen? And so what you're doing when you rejoice in the Lord is you're building a belief system. And what that belief is this, is that God is in control. That he's got this no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, that God's got this. And so that's the system that we need in our life. If you're going to win the battle and you're going to fear less, then you have to have the understanding that God is in control no matter what. You've got to have that understanding because who are you going to go to when you can't go to anybody else? And it's God. He's always with you. Look what the Bible says. It says this in Hebrews 11 and 6. It's impossible to please God without what? Without faith, that's right. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he what? That he exists. See, that's the beginning of the, belief, uh, the faith system, the belief system, is believing that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Notice that. You see, the reward is less anxiety and more peace. And that's what we all strive for. Now, I read another stat. This, this was jaw-dropping to me, so listen to this. The average child today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient had in the 1950s. The average child. Something's happened. Why, why is that? In other words, if, if our children right now would qualify to be in a psych ward because of their anxiety in the 1950s. And see, if you remember the 1950s, we had what? We, our priorities was God, family, and country. It was all about that. And now our, our culture's not built around that. Matter of fact, uh, God seems to be falling off the page. Matter of fact, we want to take in God we trust off of our currency and anything that reminds us of him. And what's happened is this. As we said, we don't want you, God, our anxieties went up. Have you noticed that? What's the difference? Why, why is it so, why is it so uh, bad right now? You know, our children are wrapped tighter than an Egyptian mu a mummy. They're wrapped up. They're real tight. They're just antsed up, and they don't know what to do. You know why? Because they don't know that there's a God that's in control of what they're out of control of. And see, if you don't, if you don't believe that God can take care of what you can't take care of, then you've you got a right to go crazy. You've got a right to be upset and fearful and, and don't want to take on the world. But when you know that you know that no matter what happens in your life, that God's got the last word. That's what Easter was all about, don't you understand? It's that they killed Jesus on the cross. They put him in the grave and said, he's done, he's finished. But Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. God has the last word, and he's alive forevermore. And I'm telling you, just because you've been knocked down, if you have faith in Almighty God and believe in him, he'll raise you back up. Amen? Don't leave me hanging by myself this morning on Easter Sunday. We're an amen kind of church. And the more you amen, the quicker I get done. Watch it over here. 
Uh, that's why you come to the 1030 anyways, right? You know the 12's coming. I've got to get you out of here. And so here's what I want to say. Listen, you can get your children everything. And listen, you, you may be, you know, old enough. You may be in your uh, late teens, early 20s or whatever, and, and you may be single, and you can get yourself everything. But what I want to tell you is you can have everything, but if you have God, you have nothing. You have nothing. Because when those, listen, those things, those things cannot bring peace inside. It may make you feel good just for a moment, but you can't, you can't buy enough, make enough. You can't you have enough girlfriend, boyfriends enough. You can't do any of that. That will not bring you peace inside. And you can, you, can try to, you can try to drink it and drug it and everything you want to do, but my friend, until you have a relationship with God Almighty, you are missing out on life. You'll never have it. So here's the deal. You can either be terrorized by your fears or stabilized by your faith. Isn't that what fear does to it? Doesn't it terrorize us? I mean, it's a, the greatest terrorist attack that we have is not out there, it's in here. And it eats us up with fear. We get terrorized with fear. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Either you're going to be terrorized by fear or you're going to be stabilized by your faith. Because, you know, I actually ended up at a counselor's office because I was having the issue with this. And, and one thing he did for me, he said, Jeff, when you start having one of these attacks, and I know that sounds crazy and it makes you sound a little weak because I'm like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm all right. But I wasn't. And he handed me a little card, a little business card like that. He says, you know, and when I, when I, uh, he said, when you start to feel a little anxiety, pull this out and be reminded. What was it reminding me? He will do it again. That God will do it again. And you just hold on. This t- and he's like, this will pass. God will do it again. And I just want to tell you, when you got faith in God, then things begin to change in your life. And you have something to build your life onto. When it's overwhelming to you, it's not overwhelming to God. And that he'll work it out. Listen, I don't care what you're going through today, how big it may seem, it's little to God. And so if you'll just call on him and you'll just hold on and you'll believe in him, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm telling you, he'll bring you through. Amen. He'll bring you through. Look what the Bible says here. Let me, read, let me say this to you before uh, I move on. Number two, let me go ahead and give you this one. Number two, stop rehearsing your fear and start rejoicing in the Lord. Stop rehearsing your fear and start rejoicing in the Lord. Now, look at that verse with me, Philippians 4 and 4. We're going to add another word, and I want you to emphasize the last word. Let's read it. Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, why are we saying that? Because we have to learn to rehearse or rejoice in what God's doing, and rejoicing is actually rehearsing what God has done. You see, we rehearse our fears. How do we rehearse our fears? We say two words, what if? What if? Oh my, what if, you know, what uh, you know, you just get all worked up when you start saying what if, you know, and, and it looks like this, it, it, when you begin to say what if, it's fear beginning to build in your life, and then you begin to make decisions based on fear, and fear is a horrible decision maker, it's a horrible decision maker, when you make a decision based because you're afraid, then you're making a bad decision, always, and so it will look like this, you know, uh, 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 we may have, you may have a six-year-old child, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's, the thought comes to you, what if they get on drugs? Well, my goodness, they're six years old, okay? I mean, nobody, don't spike their Cheerios or something. I don't know, you know. They're six years old, and you're like, oh, my, what if they get on drugs? You know, I, I read about this kid, and I know what they're doing in those schools, and, and you just get all in awe. And what if, and you know what you'll do? Your what if will say, act. It will say, panic, go right now, do something. 
And then you say, oh, i got to keep my child busy every night of the week so that they don't have time to do any of that stuff. And guess what? You stress them out. You stress you out. And you stress your marriage out. And everything's stressed out. And, you know, the number one thing that children want more than anything else from parents is them to have less stress. Why? Why, do, why are parents so stressed out? Because it's what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And fear is controlling our parenting. Not only that, but it's controlling our relationships. You know, so maybe you're single here today. Or you're married or any age, it doesn't matter. You know, you get around that, you go to that new class or you go to that new job or you get, you know, move in this new neighborhood. And all of a sudden, it's like these people that, you know, you're not familiar with, but you want them to like you. And so all of a sudden you go, oh my, what if they don't like me? What if I don't fit in? What if? What if? And what, what if? And then all of a sudden you will find yourself doing things that you normally would never do in order to make them like you. And why? Because all of a sudden the what if set in. And you will find yourself, you know, we call that peer pressure no matter what age you are. But the what ifs will make you do that. Fear will make you do what you thought you would never do. Fear will make you do what you thought you would never do. And guess what? As long as you're making decisions by fear, you'll never be who you really are. You see, some people are like, you know, I've been doing this a long time, but that's not really me. Why? Because they made fear decisions. Oh, a lot of boyfriend and girlfriends, a lot of those relationships that went south because the boyfriend or girlfriend thought, well, if I don't do this, what if I don't do this? Then they're not going to like me, and they're going to leave me. A lot of marriages have been bankrupt because what if, and what if I don't do this? You know, and, and it just doesn't work that way. So here's what I want you to know is this is that, you know, stop letting the what-ifs of tomorrow ruin what is today. Stop letting the, the what-ifs of tomorrow ruin what is today. As a matter of fact, what you have today is that you have life and you have love, and celebrate that. And listen, let God work out the what-ifs. Amen? Let Him work them out. And I was actually, um, look at what the Bible says this in Hebrews 13. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Now, why would he say that? Because it's a fear issue. The reason that people fall in love with money is because they're afraid that they won't have enough. It's fear's got them. And then he goes on and says this. He says, and be content with what you have. You know what that is? That's a fear issue. You know what the fear is? It's fear that you'll be judged because you don't have what everybody else has. And you're just in a knot. What if they don't like me because I don't have the right car, the right house, the right clothes, and all that stuff? He said, no, be content. And look what he goes on and says this. Because God has said, never will I leave you, and never will I what? See, that's a belief system. Never will I forsake you. So we say with what? We say with what? Confidence. What do we say? Let's read it. Ready? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You see, that's a person that's embraced this belief that God's got this no matter what and that I can trust God and that, listen, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anybody does, that God's in control and I'm not going down until God says I go down. Amen? And I'm going to keep standing as long as God says I'll stand. And when you have that confidence inside of you, it gives you power that most people in the world don't have. And I want to empower you over the next couple weeks. And so I have a next step for you. Look what it says. It says this. It says, I will try to rejoice in the Lord when tempted to release, uh, to rehearse my fears. I will try to rejoice in the Lord when tempted to rehearse my fears. Would you check that on that box, that connection card? You know why? Because we're going to pray for you. Because many of you sitting in this room right now are imprisoned. You're imprisoned by anxiety. But now... You have an option. You have a way out. 
And if you would just learn to rejoice in the Lord. Okay. All right. Number three, would you write this down? The third thing, how to win the battle of anxiety, over anxiety, is this. is trust in the saving power of God. Trust in the saving power of God. Now, again, we're going to look at our verse and look what it says. Philippians 4 4. Again, the whole passage we're going to cover in the next couple of weeks, but look what he says. Remember, you read what's underlined. Rejoice in the Lord always. What do you say? Rejoice. That's right. Why, why, would the, why would the writer of the scripture say, I say it again? Because you need to be reminded that he'll do it again, right? That you, need to be, you and I need to be reminded often that God will do it again so that our faith can continue to grow. Now, Easter is all about life and not death. Would you agree with me? That when we're celebrating today because Jesus Christ lived 33 and a half years on this earth. He died on a cruel cross for our sin. And let me tell you something. Good Friday was not good for Jesus. It wasn't good at all for Jesus. And so he died on that cross for our sins. And it was a very dark day when he died. It was very dark. You know, the world, all of a sudden, anxiety was at an all-time high because the people that believed in him seen him die before their very eyes. And even his mother Mary seen him die before her very eyes. And, and so, so Jesus died. It was very dark. Anxiety was high. Fear was high. It was crazy high. And on Easter morning, I thought about this this morning when I opened up my uh, blinds in my house and I was looking out as the sun was rising. And I seen the sun, and I just had the thought, this was a time, God, this was a time that Mary went running to the tomb. And she didn't go there to see a live Jesus. She went there to put spices on her son's body because she couldn't do it the day before. It was Passover. And so she went running to the tomb, and as she went running to the tomb, she was met there by the stone being rolled away. And she was met there by these angels that said, why are you seeking the living among the dead, lady? What's wrong with you? Didn't he tell you this was only temporary, that in three days he'd get up again? And the angel said, he's risen. He's alive. And I want to tell you something. He's alive today, and he's alive to make a difference in your life. Look what the Bible says. I love this. Romans 8 and 11. If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, would you read that? Lives in you. That's right. Lives in you. Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your wife. You know what that means? That means the body that you have right now. A lot of people think that, you know, well, I want to be saved because I want to go to heaven. No, no, no. God wants to save you to bring you to heaven, but he wants to save you while you're here. He wants to save you while you're here. So give life to your mortal body by the presence of his spirit in you. Now, look at this cup. This cup, would you agree with me, is very dark. I mean, like, this is the way a lot of our lives are because we only see darkness. We, we're eaten up with anxiety. We're eaten up with fear. And it's sort of like what happened the day that Jesus died on the cross because the Bible says the sky, skies went dark. There was so much fear that, every, that the skies went dark. And so this is darkness. And so the only thing that what I want to tell you is this, is that this thing is going to remain dark just like our lives until something has to happen. And so I have this uh, thermos with me right here because I need a cup of coffee while I talk to you. See, you got yours on the way in. I'm going to get mine now. So you had that. Actually, this is not coffee. This is water. But I want you to show you this. It's like if this is your body, if this is you living now, this would be God's spirit when you ask him to come into your life. This water, as I pour it into this cup, would be like God's spirit going into you. It would just, you would just say, God, fill me up. 
And when you do that, it's amazing what God does for you. Is that all of a sudden, God begins to change everything. Are you looking at what's happening in my cup? Can you see it? All of a sudden, it's changing. Like, wow, there's photos of people. I never saw that before. I never, wow, look, look at that. I don't know who they are, but they look good. All of a sudden, the darkness went away when the, when the water went in. I'm telling you today, listen, you say, well, I've heard all this Christian stuff, and I don't get it. Well, I'll tell you what you don't get is that, see, many of you are trying to get good before you get God. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. You get God, and then you get good. You, you're never, you're never going to be what you want to be on your own because you can only see darkness. But when you get God inside of you, He changes everything. He changes the way you see everything. Instead of seeing darkness, you're going to say, you just, you're going to be looking one day and you're going to say, well, I've never seen that person that way before. I've never been able to love my husband that way. I've never been able to love my parents that way. I've never seen them this way because when you come to Christ, He does something in you that changes the way you see the whole world. Amen? This, I don't, you ask me to explain that to you, I can't. I have no idea how that happened. I just know what happens when I put the hot water in it. And you're asking me, how does Jesus Christ change your life? I have no idea. I can't explain it to you. I just know that it happens when you ask him in. And so there's a prayer inside of our program right here. Look what it says. It's a prayer to become a Christ follower. And many of you are here today for that reason. God has brought you here so that you can accept him, that he can change you from the inside out look what it says dear lord jesus i know i'm a sinner and i ask for your forgiveness i believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead i trust and follow you as my lord and savior now look at this part please help me turn from my sins and do your will in jesus name amen that prayer right there has the potential to do what this water did for this cup to god's spirit to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And so if you said that, if you read that along with me, you say, you know, that's me. I really do want that in my life. Then all we ask you to do is just take the, check the back of this card. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so that we can pray for you. Would you do that? Now, I want to share something with you. Many of you know here that my brother was diagnosed 20 months ago with pancreatic cancer, stage four, my younger brother. He's 43 years old. He went to the, um, to the hospital because they didn't really know what was wrong with him and found out it was stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And the doctor came into his room and said, Listen, I don't know how to break this to you, but you've got uh, five months to live. Five months to live. Here he is healthy. And, and you know, I want to tell you, that hit me really hard. I'm like, no way. He's a picture of hell. And so one Sunday we were, we were singing the song that we're about to sing. And my wife Rhonda, it was after the 1030 service. And she, had, she just bolted off the stage and she'd come by me and I said, are you okay? She said, I got to text TJ. That's my brother's name. I got to text TJ. And so she bolted past me. When I looked up, out of nowhere, my brother comes walking down the aisle. We had no idea that he was coming. He lives over 45 minutes away. And he, she, and, and we was like, whoa. And Rhonda, I mean, like, she just met him in the middle of the aisle, and she's going, ah! 
I mean, she's crying and trying to talk. I mean, she's got the ugly cry on. She's like, I'm like, what is going on? I mean, she's freaking me out. I had no idea. But while she was singing that song, she said, God spoke to me, and I was going to text him this song, and then all of a sudden he walked in. Every day, my brother played that song. And you know what he would say? God, if you did it for them, you'll do it for me. He will do it again. That diagnosis went from five months. All of a sudden, they said, well, maybe now 18. And so he just kept every day, get up and play that song, and he declared, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. God, you'll do it again. You'll do it again. And every day, he said, that's the way I went to work. About two months ago, we went to Emory Hospital. And they said, you know what? There's an opportunity here that we may can do surgery, and it may work, it may not. You may die on the table. We don't know. But we're willing to take the risk if you are. And he said, you know what? He texted us, and he said, I'm going to do it because he'll do it again. And as he went in there for surgery, he was in there for about six or seven hours. And the doctor who was all distraught before he went in and said, I don't know. When he come out, he met with the family. He said, well, I want to tell you something. Things were totally different when we got in there. He said, I want you to know that we removed all the cancer. He said, so I can tell you as of right now, he is cancer-free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, tell I'm telling you, we serve a good God. A great God, a mighty God. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing right now. But I'm telling you, we got a God that will do it again. And today, if you'll just reach out to Him, and you'll just say, God, on this Easter Sunday, I need you. I need you to do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.